Welcome to B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper, brought to you by True. For too long, B2B has lacked creativity and inspiration, leading to alarming declines in effectiveness and marketing departments being slowly devalued more and more within their organizations. We're here to change that by getting under the skin of what it really means to be a highly effective B2B marketer. We'll be speaking to some of the brightest minds in the industry to discuss what they're doing to be a bit more, well, Don Draper. And now, here's your host, Stuart Black. Joining us today on B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper is Catherine Lamb. She's the Global Head of Marketing Strategy for the Commercial and Investment Bank at HSBC. She's in charge of planning and executing global marketing strategy, her scope covering global proposition development and business stakeholder management across 54 markets. She also mentors and coaches a team of 45. Catherine Lamb, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. So firstly then, what does being a bit more Don Draper mean to you? Don Draper, wow. Well, so let's let's put aside for a moment perhaps some of his his views on women and uh, some of the old school big ad agency kind of macho behaviours. Um, what I think he does get really right uh, is his focus on storytelling um, and a really unique ability to connect with uh, what's sort of underlying for the customer emotionally. And he's not afraid to use that to come at a problem from a different angle. And I think that's hugely relevant for B2B where, you know, it's all about kind of understanding the customer needs and connecting with those and building a relationship over time. So I, I think he has a lot to offer. And then let's talk about you. So you've held senior roles at Bank of New York, uh, Mellon Credit Suisse, and now HSBC. What keeps you coming back to financial services? What's the draw? So finance might not be the most glamorous of of industries, but I think um, for me, it's at the heart of getting anything done, whether it's building a school or a house or a bridge, a road or a company. And so I've always loved that really practical aspect of it. And it, it can be genuinely transformational for people personally as well as professionally. And then I guess as a marketer, I enjoy the complexity, honestly, as very fast paced. I mean, many banks are much more like tech firms now. And the fact that money is really integral to everything from how you do your supermarket shop online to, you know, how businesses are trying to become more sustainable. You know, we're not selling baked beans. It's a really complex world. And personally, I, I just really enjoy that. Every day is interesting, I imagine, for you. Absolutely. Um, So marketing represents so many touch points within HSBC. How do you use marketing to engage with your customer as well as help drive the goals of the business? So for us, marketing is about firstly delivering insights about our customers that will deliver a distinctive brand and propositions that will help the business to grow. And I think that insights piece is super important and it's the starting point really for all creative and strategic thinking. Too often we're all faced with situations where perhaps someone comes to us and they just want us to sell their product. And I think it's always our job to stand in the shoes of the customer and say, why? Why would they need that? What does the data tell us? What do customers tell us they need? And is what we're going to sell them actually going to add any value? Um, And how should you do that? 
So for us, insight is key to both improving the experience of existing customers, um, as well as designing new propositions and also attracting new customers. And we use the full range of marketing techniques across those activities to do that. But it, it starts really with understanding your customer. And the pandemic and all the lockdowns has affected business across all industries. In what ways has it affected your customers' behaviour and how they engage with the bank and also with financial services more broadly? Yeah, it's been a really interesting time. So I guess initially when COVID started, customers uh, like all of us were kind of in crisis mode and they needed kind of just support, reassurance. And specifically around their finances, they needed credit decisions quickly and flexible payment terms. So, you know, we were very kind of focused on on delivering that for them. But as the pandemic has gone on, um, many of our customers have had to adapt their business models, find new revenue streams, new ways to market. And that has accelerated several trends that were already in evidence, but they've really kind of shot off the off the scale. And there's three in particular. Um, one is around digital banking and the rise of kind of e-commerce uh, behind that um, uh, and the kind of cashless society. So, you know, uh, previously, you know, we still had customers who perhaps wanted to use checks or come into the branch or using sort of paper forms. They haven't been able to. So both our customers and we have had to accelerate kind of digital processes far faster. Um, and that's been a good thing. Um, generally, that's been positive both for customers and the industry. And then the second thing we've seen in the B2B space is the breaking down or an accelerated breaking down of traditional sectors. So previously, you know, you had very much a world where if you were in one sector, you needed a, you know, you, you wanted to excel at that and you needed a good reason before you perhaps kind of broke into something else. Today, if you have the data and you have the networks, um, you, there's no reason you can't be an Amazon, right? And 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 really spread your your net very kind of wide. And COVID and the pandemic has really just accelerated that by throwing such a reliance on on data and e-commerce. And then the third thing we've really noticed that's changed is a very or a much more rapid adoption of sustainable business models that was already kind of happening, but it's really been supercharged. So with all these seismic changes that we've seen in the world recently, what role do you think HSBC now is beginning to play in the lives of customers across both commercial and investments bank? This is an evolving, changing situation. So where are we going? So we see our purpose as opening up a world of opportunities for, for our customers. And what that means is that we're connecting them to new markets, new suppliers or new or other new customers through our network. And on a day-to-day -day basis, what that means is that we're perhaps managing payments for them as a business customer. We're helping them manage their cash flow, pay their suppliers, helping them to trade internationally. And that might then in turn involve uh, foreign exchange or other investment products. Or if they're looking to expand, perhaps they're looking to buy a business or want funding to support that expansion. And we can help kind of across all of that. So that's that's ultimately the the role that we play um, kind of behind the scenes to help a business manage their money, but ultimately to help them uh, manage their growth as well. Mm. And, and during your time at the bank, you've helped transform the group's approach towards data and technology in particular, which has generated a ton of leads at the bottom of the funnel. But you also invest a lot in brand, which can take a longer time to see results from. 
So what do you think about balancing the priorities of brand building and lead generation? Yeah, that's a perennial question for marketers, isn't it? But I, I think they work hand in hand uh, because one is about building for the long term and the other is really delivering short term results. And you can't do one without the other. So your brand building needs to be always on because your lead gen won't be successful without it. But if you focus exclusively on brand, then you may be leaving money on the table, essentially, in terms of those immediate opportunities. So we try and do both and, and kind of optimize them together. So, for instance, earlier this year, um, we ran a virtual event series for small businesses called Drive 21. And the premise of that was really about building our brand for small businesses, helping them um, engage with each other because we built on some insight that we um, heard from them that they wanted to be able to connect and learn from each other. So Drive 21 was not about selling them anything. It was about creating that experience for them, which in a way, you know, we were kind of uniquely placed to be able to do because of our network. But having built that engagement, we were also then obviously kind of driving local campaigns um, to generate leads off the back of that. But it, it happened uh, in, a, in a coordinated fashion, but kind of with between different teams with global sort of running the priming um, and the overall brand experience and the local teams running the lead generation. Mm. And other strategies you, you employ, uh, investing in sponsorships, uh, long form content, along with lots of other uh, types of brand marketing. Can you tell us what strategies, what projects you're particularly proud of? Yeah. So last year we launched a program called A Business Plan for the Planet. And this was all about helping customers to transform their business model to something more sustainable. And it was really built off the back of some insight um, where we could see that businesses of all sizes were really keen to become more sustainable, but they just didn't always know how to get started. And they felt quite fearful of, you know, being uh, sort of uh, uh, told that they were greenwashing or not doing something genuine or authentic. Um, and sometimes they just lacked the expertise and the the ability to kind of know how to, you know, what to do. Um, and what was sort of playing in that space was lots of sort of quite negative messages that tend to come from the activist world that's sort of wagging your finger at people and saying you must do this and the world is going to end if you don't and big business is bad and you know it's all your fault for kind of um, you know uh, proliferating globalization if you like and what we've tried to do is turn that on its head and really present it as an opportunity for both business and for the and for the world that business can be part of the solution, that it's in kind of creating, you know, clean tech and new uh, products and services that are more sustainable, that we will all kind of solve this problem together. And that business can be the heroes of that. You know, business is fantastic at solving problems. And there's nothing more, you know, there's no bigger problem than kind of solving climate change, if you like. So our business plan for the planet program was really all about trying to put a more positive message on business being part of the solution and, and being part of the heroes in that longer term aim of, uh, of tackling climate change. And so we're really proud of helping start a new conversation uh, about working together on that as an aim. 
Absolutely. And you talked before uh, about the balance between brand building and lead generation, if I can go back to that. How do you justify the impact of spending on brand when the payoff can be hard to measure, even though it obviously has an impact on the growth of the business overall? Yeah, so we measure everything um, where we can. So we would look at market mix modeling and econometric modeling to understand what's the impact of the brand um, in each of our major markets. Um, And we have seen very clear evidence that where the brand is stronger, there is a a lower cost to acquisition, essentially, and 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 a lower cost to serve as well. And so when you can show that, it really revolutionizes the conversation between you and finance or you and the rest of the business. Um, And you can also show how if you switch it off or you change the mix, there is there's, you know, there's definitely an impact on lead generation and also revenues over time. So it takes time to put that in place and, you know, uh, uh, and you've, you've got to be serious about measuring the effectiveness of it. But we've really tried to work on understanding the impact of brand as a driver of growth uh, so that we can have an informed conversation with, with the, our business partners. And can you share with us how you split your budget between lead gen and longer term brand building? So it would be different um, by market, um, but we roughly would aim for a sort of 60-40 ratio with 60% being towards brand building because you need that always on long-term brand building happening in the background uh, for your lead gen to be effective. It might go up and down kind of between that, but that's, that's roughly what we're aiming for. Mm. And and do the principles you use to build a brand for the commercial bank also apply to the way you'd build brand for the investment bank? How do those two relate? Yes. In fact, we recently did some market mix modeling, which showed quite clearly that uh, there's a bit of a halo effect from what we do in the commercial bank to then uh, what happens for the results we get in for the investment bank. And that shouldn't be a surprise because the two audiences are quite similar in some ways and the content themes that we're building on often overlap. So sustainability, I've, I've already mentioned, but is, is relevant for both kind of small businesses, large corporates, multinationals and kind of other financial institutions. Um, but so is kind of uh, talking about how connected the world is and, you know, in the, which is our, uh, one of our strengths around kind of network. So in the commercial bank, that plays out um, by talking about kind of trade corridors and, and uh, supply chains, for instance. And for the investment bank, that would play out in terms of talking about emerging markets and connecting east to west. Um, uh, in terms of access to new markets, investments, ideas and talent, for instance. So we, we see a lot of overlap, actually, and it can take time to kind of prove it. Um, but that halo effect is is really positive between the two. And as you say, HSBC is committed to sustainability and supporting small businesses, and you've pledged to become a net zero carbon business by 2030. So is that part of the purpose you're employing now? And what role exactly does sustainability play in the way you want to build the brand? Yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, we realized some years ago that sustainability was going to be a significant driver of growth for our customers. And so we've been tracking what their needs are in that space for some time now and really trying to understand how we can be relevant and really add value to them. Because I think 
one of the worst things about sustainability is just sort of paying it lip service um, or, uh, you know, or, or in our case, perhaps just talking about sustainable finance, which can seem like a self-serving sort of product. Oh, we'll, 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 you know, we'll loan you some money and we'll put these sustainable kind of uh, frameworks around it. But people could, you know, the, you could sort of argue, well, but you're still lending people money, which is, um, you know, self-serving. And what we've realized is that how we can really add value is to give customers tools and data and information that will genuinely help them to transform. So we've developed digital tools, for instance, um, to help uh, a small business measure their gap to sustainability, because that's the starting point for having a business plan to know how to transform. Where am I today versus where do I need to get to tomorrow? So we've we've created quick and easy tools to help you do that. And, and they're free tools. Um, you know, it, it helps us have a more informed conversation, but we're not trying to sell anything directly off the back of that. Or in the supply chain space, for instance, um, a huge number of our customers are either um, the owners of a supply chain, so they're they're buying and ex imports and exports from other companies, or they are part of a supply chain for somebody else. And supply chains are something like 80% of the world's carbon is kind of locked up in those, in terms not, not just in terms of the products uh, that are traveling around the world, but the way that they're shipped and the way that they're packaged, etc. And so we're developing tools to help people understand uh, the carbon that's locked up in those to get transparency over them as well as kind of to make them more resilient. Mm, absolutely. So let's talk about brand building. Aside from media and advertising, what other commercial levers do you think about when it comes to your ability to drive the business forward across all the touch points where the brand meets the customer? So the customer's experience with us day to day might be across our digital platforms, in our branches or talking to their relationship manager. And so a lot of what we do in marketing is about uh, supporting all of those aspects as well, either with insights or with data. Um, you know, measuring kind of through net promoter systems, you know, what our customers are, are thinking and feeling about the experience they have with us or by giving tools to our relationship managers and, and the branches to help them have a better conversation with the client. Um, and I think kind of digital transformation has really helped a B2B marketer do that better um, by helping us kind of join up the data and spot those opportunities as well as where the, the pain points might be. So in a way, marketing's role has got bigger and broader and we find ourselves more involved in a, in a much bigger range of conversations, not just about lead gen or the brand, but also about, you know, what, how should we best be servicing our customers and what products and services do they need today versus what they might be needing tomorrow? Um, we're, we're kind of involved across the gamut there. Mm, interesting. Um, and, and what role does advertising play in the mix there? What impact does it have on your ability to set prices, for example, and build, build the brand? <laughs> so I'm not sure how you can separate pure advertising uh, these days. Um, I mean, we do do some of it, obviously, if you not that many of us have been in an airport recently, but, you know, we, we have a, a big kind of partnership with a lot of airports and you'd see pure advertising there um, or perhaps around some of our sports sh sponsorships uh, within the kind of rugby or golf. 
Um, and those are really about building the brand. And we have we are able to measure kind of the impact of our brand um, overall on things like cost per acquisition. Um, but connecting that to pricing um, in a really direct way is, is difficult. Um, but these days, you know, so much of our advertising has a content aspect to it. So, you know, there'll be video or there'll be an in interview or there'll be an article of some sort. And then the opportunity to um, engage and retarget, collect information and start a conversation is much, much more possible. Um, and so that's that's really increasingly where we're where we're really focused. Mm, that makes sense. And what would you say is more responsive in terms of marketing, loyalty or penetration? <laughs> well, so if you read your theory, if you read your Ehrenberg Bass, for instance, uh, then, uh, you know, focusing on loyalty, uh, they would argue, is, is a waste of time. Um, mm. And it's all about increasing the number of new clients uh, that you have. And certainly over the last few years, I think we've increased the focus that we have on uh, on new customers. And so we do align with that theory to some extent. But in our space, um, particularly at the sort of top end of commercial and, and very much investment banking, it's a very specialized area. And the number of potential customers in, in our market is finite uh, within investment banking. It's a few thousand companies. And we're often working with most of them in some capacity already. So uh, in those segments, it has to be about selling more into them. Um, uh, but if you come sort of down the the pyramid, if you like, uh, in, in more into the sort of small business space where there are millions and millions of, uh, of small businesses and new ones kind of popping up every day. Um, then, then you know, selling into new clients is much more uh, important in that space. And when it comes to B two B, some people would say emotional messaging is more effective in the long term, while rational messaging might be more effective in the short term. I don't know if you agree with that, but how can B two B best harness the power of emotion? Do you think? So I, I think it's a it's a misunderstanding to think that B two B isn't emotionally driven. I mean the the Emotion and reason do go together, of course, but I, I think emotion is a huge driver for B2B, in many ways more so than in the consumer space. Because if you think about a high value, complex product or service that you might be buying, whether in whether it's in our industry or tech or, or, or some other industry, the, the pressure on somebody to make that decision, the reputational impact for that to go well, all the kind of um, things that might be kind of uh, influencing that person in making a decision, uh, you know, how it makes them look if the decision goes well or not well. Um, that creates anxiety, it creates stress, um, it creates, you know, it, it, it goes to the heart of why people feel valued um, uh, in their work and, and feel that their reputation might be online sometimes when they're when they're making big purchase decisions. So all of that is emotionally driven. Uh, you just need to realize um, where the levers are, I suppose. And it doesn't mean that you go in with puppies and babies, but it does mean that you, that you need to build trust and you, you need to really reassure, um, and, uh, and provide, um, a, an intellectual kind of 
safety zone in a sense for people to make the decision that you'd like them to Mm, I love that. Although let's not dispense with the puppies and babies completely. I, th- I think we all need a little bit of that right now. <laughs> and on the flip side, then, what circumstances would you say rational advertising is, is the better thing to do? I'm not sure that uh, that you'd ever use them in isolation, mm. but perhaps right at the bottom of the sales funnel, it's all about conversion and, and perhaps somebody is sort of 80, 90 percent of the way there. And they just got one or two questions uh, or trigger points that are going to help nudge them into a positive decision. But, you know, that that kind of behavior can be a bit more kind of rational, perhaps. Mm. You've seen the bank go through uh, a lot of digital transformation over the years, as you've mentioned already. What's your biggest tip for digital transformation and what things do you spend most of your time thinking about? Oh, so I think, you know, it's it's such a huge space and it can be overwhelming, both in terms of kind of the opportunities and, and, and the complexity involved to kind of connect your data and, and get the right kind of MarTech stack in place. And one of the pitfalls, I think, is that everybody is kind of excited about the vision and the possibilities of what that might bring, but they tend to all have a slightly different version of what that vision might be. And I think it's really important to kind of start on the same page with your business partners, with your data partners and with IT, you know, create a pilot, create something achievable that everybody can get around the same sort of problem that you're, you're, there's going to be your starting point and just achieve success, you know, in a small way and iterate and learn from that and, and kind of build up success. I think often these huge programs that try and put everything in place kind of uh, in one go can suffer from you know disappointment because people's um, understanding of what that vision is can be very very different um, so start small start with a pilot get everybody on exactly the same page about what it is you're trying to solve and then just learn as you go Mm, You make it sound so easy. (laughs) That brings us to the rapid fire round. Um, I'm just going to throw some things at you. uh, If you can just pick one, respond as quickly as you can. You ready? I am. Number one, advertising or ABM? Advertising first, ABM second, but they need each other. (laughs) Logic or magic? Magic every time. Brand building or lead gen? Brand building. And what's the problem with B2B right now? I don't think it has a problem, to be honest, Uh, or maybe I'm just too optimistic. I think digital transformation has given B2B a huge opportunity um, to mine your data, understand your customers better, um, really form meaningful relationships, provide a better experience for them. But it's hard, right? And digital transformation takes time um, and you, you absolutely won't get there overnight. But I think I think the possibilities are endless and actually B2B is in a better space than it's ever been to be more evidence-based and more effective. All right, I believe you. <laughs> so do you have a favourite Don Draper quote or moment? Uh, so the, the Don Draper quote I really like is, if you don't like what's being said, then change the conversation. 
Um, and I think that's, I, I love that in terms of, you know, if you really want to understand kind of uh, what the customer's thinking, you need to uh, get under the skin of it and you need to differentiate yourself and come at it from a different angle. So if everybody's looking the same, you know, you're, you're never going to win um, and there's no point moaning about it, but you have, it's in your gift to change a conversation. So that, I, I like that. Great. And finally, then, if you could tell all CEOs to read one book, what would that be? So it's not a marketing book, but um, Prisoners of Geography by Tim Marshall is a really amazing, um, insightful book. Um, covers everything from history to geopolitics. Um, and if you want to think of it that way, then certainly long term kind of uh, planning, which I think has a, you know, we, we've already mentioned as being core to your brand. But I, I thought it was a fascinating book um, and uh, it explains a lot about our past and, and how that's influencing today and the, and the future. So I would recommend it to anybody. And I've read that one too. It will teach you to take over the world, which I guess is what marketing <laughs> is secretly all about. Maybe. <laughs> Thanks so much uh, for an insightful chat. That was really great talking to you, Catherine. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Thanks for listening to this episode of B2B Marketing Needs Don Draper. You can find out more at trueagency.com forward slash podcasts. I'm Stuart Black. See you next time.